Charlotte Rose. I am here with, I'm very excited about this guest because, fun fact, she was supposed to be on season one of Love Drunk and then that ended up not happening and then through all this craziness she is finally here. I'm so excited to have her. The number one Love Drunk super fan, like original fan. Raquel Kane is here. Oh my god, I love it. It's happening. I'm so excited. (laughs) You have to understand, yeah, I like, I listened to the podcast before I even Charlotte, and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, she's so cool. I want to be her friend. Oh my god. This is why I brought her on, because she thinks I'm cool and she wants to be my friend. Anyway. Yay! Uh, here on Love Drunk, we do allow the guests to pick the poison, and anything is on the table except for... Gin! That's right! We do not drink gin here on Love Drunk. If you want to drink gin on a podcast, then start, start your, your own, own podcast. podcast. Come on, y'all. It is that easy. Uh, so, Raquel, I'm so happy you're here. I just like I feel like this is such a long time coming and I'm and I'm very excited for this episode. So so um what's up? What's going on? Like are you you're you're here, you're out here, you're in yeah, LA. I am out here, I'm in LA, I've been out here for maybe four years now. Okay. Yeah. A little and, while. Yeah, and I've been single here, I've been in a long distance relationship here. Okay. I've been in a long term relationship here. Uh-huh. Um so it's interesting, like over a pretty short period of time, like, I've been able to experience L.A. a couple of different ways in terms of lifestyle. That's so. amazing. You have, like, full perspective, whereas... Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, I feel like a lot of the people I have talked to, well, because a lot of them are, you know, my friends who I went to school with, we've all been out here for about the same period of time, and so we either have people who have... Well, I have had some friends meet people out here, but a lot of people just, like, met someone in Texas, and now they're both out here together. Yeah. Which is great and fine and a good way to do things if that's, you know, how you want to do it. But everyone else is just sort of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I feel Mm -hmm. like you've kind of had like a little bit more experience. But because I don't really know a lot about your dating history, I'm going to ask you a few like rapid fire questions right off the bat just so we can get to know you like a little bit better. So here, don't think about it too much, you know, just give us us some, some quick answers. How old were you when you had your first kiss? 14. Okay. How old were you when you were in your first relationship? 14. Okay. What is the longest relationship you've ever had? Two years and a couple of months. Okay. And what is the weirdest place you've ever made out and or hooked up with someone? In the middle of a field uh, at a park. Amazing. <laughs> was that in Texas or was that here? That was in Baltimore. Ooh. I went to high school in Baltimore in middle okay. school. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And then final question. If you could give your 14-year-old self... Uh, one piece of advice about relationships. What would it be? Ooh, girl, let it go. Yeah, let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let, let it, it go. go. We don't have the rights to this song. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, are you kind of a person? I know that I, I sure do hold on to things, and I sure do wallow in them. Girl. 
because we're poets. Oh, we are. We are both poets. Uh, I feel like, you know, being a writer is just sort of, there is that saying where it's like, never date a writer. And uh, and you shouldn't because we'll just, we'll hold on to the stuff forever and we'll yes. write about it just even if it didn't. I think that my biggest thing is that I try to, I, and everyone experiences things differently, but I always come out of things and look at it and I'm like, I know it probably wasn't as important to you, but to me it was everything. Oh, that is the story of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I create... I feel like I live in my head a lot, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to relationships, I feel like I blow up every single experience I have with somebody so that, like, we have much more of a relationship in my head than mm-hmm. we actually do. And I do that with, like, friendships, with acquaintances, yeah. with, like, relationships, because, I don't know, I despite the fact I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. and I think probably because of that, too, like, when I do spend time with people... And you make that connection. Yeah, it's like, I'm really valuing our connection. Mm -hmm. And that's why it, like, makes me so mad when I can't remember somebody's name or something like that. Because I'm like, no, like, I remember our connection. I just don't recall the details. I don't remember all those details. (laughs) What is your star sign? I'm a Libra. Okay, interesting. My mom's a Libra. I feel like Libras make really good moms. I don't know if that's something you're interested in at all, Mm -hmm. ever, at any point. I am the mother of my friends a lot of times, (laughs) or I used to be. I've kind of try not to be anymore I feel that there's also I feel like there was a time period and or let me know if this is something you you have or haven't experienced but I feel like sometimes the mom friend like people make jokes about it it like doesn't make you feel great yeah because you know it just and especially with me I'm older than a lot of my friends and so when people are like oh my god mom I'm like I'm already self-conscious about that (laughs) I'm already self-conscious about being two years older than you I just turned 26 and I feel weird about it you know so it's yeah so it's little things like that and and I've had conversations with other people that are like, everyone calls me a dad. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm your age. Stop calling me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have the joke that Natalie and Aaron are my parents, but, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of different. A little different, yeah. yeah. Well, because the implication, especially when you're, like, a girl and you're in a group of girlfriends, like, mm-hmm. when you're the mom, the, the implication is that you're not having as much fun because right. you're wrangling kittens. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, um, I think that's partially why I took a hard, like, turn from that a couple of years okay. ago, because I just got really tired of, like, having to be the one to really, like, keep it together and, like, right. stay, like, relatively sober mm-hmm. and, like, you know, make sure that everybody's in order. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. It's so tiring. Mm-hmm. And I went through a rebellious phase a little bit late where it was, like... I don't want to be the accountable one. Like, someone take care of me. Yeah. Like, someone get my ass in an Uber. Like, (laughs) God. You know what I mean? I completely understand. Not that I had the desire to go too far Mm -hmm. to the point of, like, embarrassing myself or anything like that. But at the same time, you're sort of like, I'd like to know that I have the option. Yeah. Like, if I get accidentally turned, are you going to take care of me or am I going to be on my own, you know? Yeah. And even if it's... I think that it's funny because in my friend group, what I've noticed is that even if I am not... If I am not the drunkest one, I do have some semblance of sobriety, I guess, quote unquote. Yeah. Obviously, never trust me to like drive a car. Yeah. But you know, if it's if it's if about you need to get in line at Taco Bell, I am your girl. I'm, I'll do it <laughs> because I can recognize when someone, even if I am 
gone. I can recognize if someone is more gone than I am. Mm. And I will be the one to be like, okay, come up the stairs now. And I do kind of take on that responsibility. So maybe it is kind of ingrained. But at the same time, there are times when I am the most gone. And I'm like, take care of me. You know? So so <laughs> you I, I can... have a balance. Yeah. You and do I have to have a balance. like that in life, too. Like, there's times when you take charge of your own stuff and, mm-hmm. like times when you're helping other people with their stuff and then there's times when everyone's helping you like yeah and that's the best thing I think that a a healthy friend group everyone should take turns being the mom friend you know you can be mom sometimes and then you can also be an irresponsible little brat sometimes we are all we are all made of many layers you know I think as I've gotten older it's been a matter of just enforcing when you're not mom exactly okay having having enough like I don't know, we're standing up for yourself enough to be like, okay, you know what, guys? I know I usually do this, uh-huh. but tonight, mama's getting wasted. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that. Just be open about it. Oh, my I God. I do that sometimes. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's time, guys. You're like, I. this is, this is what mama night. needs. <laughs> this is mama's night. Oh, my God. I love it. So what is your what is your current relationship status? Like, what's, what's going on right now? Are you... I am currently in a relationship. We've awesome. been together... For over a year, um, it's coming up on, actually, it's a year and a half okay. at this point, yeah. Cool, cool. Snuck up on me, yeah. It's really good. He's really good to me. Yay. Um, I think this is probably, like, the first time I've been an adult in an adult relationship where I feel very supported in the day-to-day. Good, like, okay. he's very present. Like, if I need him, mm-hmm. I can text him. I think the problem is, is that, like, that backfires because I am not exactly a partner that wants to, like, text all the time, all right. day, every day. Like, okay. When I'm with you, I'm with you, and mm-hmm. my attention is 100%. But, you know, even if I am, like, doing other things, mm-hmm. I'm present. Right. But it's the same thing as when I'm with somebody else. Like, Yeah, you want to keep I'm them there. When I'm with them, mm-hmm. my attention's on them. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm at a job, my attention's on the job. And sometimes that can be a point of conflict because it's like you have to, there has to be a balance in how much each person can give and how much each person receives. Right. And that can be really difficult sometimes Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. And that's something that I've kind of thought about too where, you know, what if you find someone and you're like oh my gosh this person is great and whatever but like they're not fucking texting me back and it's and it's something where you realize that especially now and dating it and you say our age as if we're like so old but like when you get to your mid-20s oh yeah 26 like I'm there too uh you know it's a specific time Mm -hmm. and you get a whole ass person you get like a pretty much and I'm not saying that we're all done growing yet because we certainly aren't but Pretty much, you're when you get someone, you really can't expect them to change. And so these habits that they have and these preferences that yeah. they have, it's them. And you're not really going to influence them that much. So if you just happen to start dating someone who's like, hey, I'm not going to text you all the time. And you, me, myself, I'm the kind of person that pretty much always has my phone on me because I always like to be connected. And if anyone needs me, I want to be like there and I'm here. Uh, and that's just me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that. Just as I don't think that there's anything wrong with not being as connected. No, it's just different communication it, styles. But for me, I look at it and 
I, I kind of, you know, I send a long text and I don't get a response for a while. I'm like, how are you not on your phone right now? Like, how do you, I know that you saw it and you're just sort of like, oh, okay, I'll like wait for a little while. Like, how do you wait? How do you, I just, I'm asking not because I think it's wrong or I think it's bad. I just don't know how to do that really. Where if I get a text and like immediate response, I'm not doing anything right now. Like, let me text you back. I like you. I want to hang out with you. We're doing the whole like courtship thing. Of course, I want to talk to you all the time. And so you do kind of have to get used to people's communication styles. And obviously, if it's really throwing a wrench in things, you can have a conversation. But at the end of the day, you just kind of have to understand where people are coming from. Yeah. So so that's another interesting thing that I've learned, especially dating some kind of unplugged people and dating some people that are not necessarily on their phone as much. And what's so funny is that I actually talked to a friend about this recently and she brought up basically, she was like, well, that's what, you know, that's how I'm trying to come across is like, Hey, if you don't respond to me for two days, that's cool. You got shit to do. I got shit to do. I'm just trying to, you know, put less pressure on the situation. And I'm like, I can see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. That's not how I think, but I, I'm trying to understand people a little bit better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like, I think a big part of it is just, I because I used to be that way. I used mm-hmm. to be, like, always on the other end of the phone, like, always waiting for the text, always. And this relationship is very different, but it has I don't think it has much to do with my partner as mm-hmm. much as it has to do with myself. And mm-hmm. me growing. Okay. And also, if I'm being honest, becoming jaded in a lot of ways. Like, because of my experiences with my long-term relationships. Okay. And short-term, you know? Like, I've definitely... The last time... The last period of time that I was single, I went through a really big personal change. Mm-hmm. And it was because, for the first time, I was dealing with stuff that I hadn't dealt with before. And mm-hmm. it caught up to me. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes in life, you just gotta face your... Sh- face your shit yeah and I faced it and I had gone through a lot of like personal like metamorphosis which was Mm -hmm. amazing and I am probably the most independent I've ever been in my life dope I love it which is awesome and it feels awesome yeah but my current dilemma is melding that person uh into a relationship setting right so it's like how do you when you finally like Hit rock bottom. Get up mm-hmm. on your own two feet. You're fucking, like, out there. Mm-hmm. You're ready to take on the world. How do you start to compromise things when your whole pride is, like, being independent and being on your own? Yeah. You and know, when you've like, just gone through, like, this whole metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. It's so funny you bring that up because I think that recently, and I've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, never been in a relationship, the pros to that, I suppose, are that... I've never had to make a decision based on another human being ever in my life. Not even once. And, you know, I've had, and I mean, I'm not talking about like, oh, where to go to dinner with my friends. Like, obviously, yes, I do make decisions based off of my friends and stuff. But it's never been a decision about my life. And I hear about these things, about people, you know, pursuing careers and wanting to move places and... I think that, like, there's a weird thing in my head where the last few guys I've, I have been on dates with people who have told me, basically, they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to stay in LA forever. And then I immediately kind of click to, because I just like to jump, like, 20 steps ahead. So I immediately click to, like, well, I can't imagine leaving, and I don't really want to go anywhere else right now. 
And I immediately start thinking about like, am I going to have to like leave someday just because you want to? And so it's, it's kind of hard where, where you're sort of like, but I want to do all the things I want to do. And especially me, I'm, I'm used to doing all of the things I want to do. And, you know, if I want to go out for a drink after work, there's no one really, I have to call and be like, Hey, just so you know, this is what's happening. I don't have to keep anybody posted. Like I'm a very independent person. And as much as I love my friends and I'm dependent on them, I guess, like I I really am a classic extrovert. I once saw a movie by myself and had to immediately text four of my best friends afterwards just to remind myself I wasn't alone in the universe. Like it's that kind of thing where I do pride myself on, I, I just don't know how not to make decisions only for myself. So the idea of getting into a relationship and kind of having to compromise and especially what we were talking about before with you get a whole ass other human with all of their stuff and they have a family and you got to deal with their family and their baggage and all of that too insane absolutely crazy to me don't know how people do it so and and I want to like I wanted that's a problem I would love to have but I just it's so it's it's funny you bring this up because I I never really even thought about it from like going through a, a metamorphosis of independence and being like, okay, now how do I fit this into this relationship? Yeah, it's been really uh, interesting. And it's been good for me. It's been really good for me because it's forcing me to face what can I compromise on, what mm-hmm. can I not compromise on? How much am I willing to compromise? Um, and looking at the reasons you're compromising. And for me, it's because, like, I love him so much. Mm-hmm. So obviously I don't want to make him unhappy. Like, at the same time, I am who I am to a certain extent. Yeah. And I can only give what I'm able to give. And... You know, that might be because I'm still, like, dealing with some stuff from past mm-hmm. relationships, possibly, like, but that's a whole nother, like, thing, <laughs> you know, like, that's right. a whole podcast in and of itself. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the next time. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is that, like, you make sacrifices and you learn what you're willing to give on and what you're not willing to give on and why you're not willing to give on it. Okay. Um, and I think it, it was interesting cause I was talking to my mom about this, especially since I'm about to go on tour. Like it really puts things in perspective mm-hmm. because you're realizing, Oh, for a year or more, you know, I am not going to be with this person. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? You know? And it puts things, suddenly things become very clear and it's like, well, I need to make these changes. Okay. If I want this to work. And he's going to have to make these changes. And we're going to have to both make compromises that are going to be hard. Like, right. if we want this to go well. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, how life will really give you opportunities to prioritize things. And I think that that often happens, like, when big changes happen in your life. Mm-hmm. And being in a relationship is really interesting at this time in my life specifically because, like, you know, you're 26 too. Like, mm-hmm. you're you just passed the mid-mark of your yeah. 20s. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's this, like, rush of reflection. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I have less than half <laughs> left. Yeah. You know, what do I want to do in these next couple years to prepare me 
for what I really think is my adult life, because I still feel like a child. Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. If, and if you had talked to me as a teenager, like, ah, oh, yes, this 26-year-old, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, an adult. Yes, mature, wonderful. <laughs> yes. But Full person. 100% human. A, yeah. a 100% grown-up person. Yes, 26. And <laughs> now I'm sort of like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what yeah. do... And I have heard from so many people that your 30s are, like, amazing. And so I don't know if I'm just holding out for my 30s, but... I, and, I, you know, it's not one of those things where I feel like the clock will strike midnight on my 30th birthday and suddenly I will have, like, every, like, giver style will know everything in the universe and, like, will hold on to all of the history and the, you know. But at the same time, I'm sort of like, will I be any more clear in a couple of years? Will I have any of my shit together in a few years? Someone please tell me. I feel like things, I felt that way, like, you know, even 10 years ago, even 6 years ago, like, even three years ago, like, and I do feel like I'm learning, but at the same time, you know, yeah, there is going to, it's just going to keep happening. Like, right. everyone looks back at themselves and is like, oh my god, I was a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you have like 50-year-olds that look at 30-year-olds and they're like, oh my god, baby. Yeah. And, you know, I hope, um, I hope I'm at that point. I cannot wait to be 50 and to, like, not give a single shit. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till my hair starts turning white and they stop letting me wear short sleeves because at a certain age in Hollywood, you are no longer allowed to wear short sleeves. It's, like, three-quarter length. Whoa. Like, look at Helen Mirren. When's the last time you saw Helen Mirren in, like, a short sleeve, like, (gasps) t-shirt? That is, like, something that I never thought about, but now that you now that you mention it. So what happens is they won't let you wear short sleeves anymore. I'm just going to get full sleeve tattoos. Hell yeah. My Hell hair's going to yeah. be shock white. I love it. It's going to be amazing. <sighs> you know? Like, yeah. I can't wait until I know shit. <laughs> like, well, you know, last night I was out with some work friends, and I, like I said, I'm older than a lot of my friends, but now that I am making other friends, and I do have other communities it's so funny how I can be like, yes, I'm the oldest of my friends and all of my friends are like, or most of my friends are like 24 years old. And then I go out with some of my work friends and they're talking about like, oh, well, I'm turning 35 soon or, oh, I'm 42. And it's just, and it makes me feel a little better that, and it's not even like, oh, I'm still young. Ah, But (laughs) it, it makes me feel sort of like, okay, like we're all fine. We're all, we're all kind of on the same trajectory and no one has to have it figured out by a certain age. We're just, you know, we're we're all doing our best, damn it. We're, we really, really are. And so it does put things in perspective a little bit where I'm like, I have all of these friends and half of them, I don't even know how old they are because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I feel like I had a fairly like blue collar upbringing in that I was able to see people at different points in their lives, like dealing with the same bullshit mm-hmm. year after year, like as they get older, but also, like, growing from it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when you work in the service industry, too, like, and you are, like, surrounded by people of all different stages because jobs like that, like, they're career servers. Mm -hmm. There's people who are, like, just in college, like, trying to pay some extra bills. There are people Mm -hmm. who have as a side job on the weekends and then have, like, a regular job. Yeah. And then there's people that, like only have that going and they're pursuing whatever else or uh-huh. like nothing nothing at all mm-hmm. like so it's an in, growing up in that because I've worked in the service industry since I was 17 like 
and constantly being around like older people even at a young age I think mm-hmm. shows like it instills in you like you're never done learning like you're yeah. always gonna have to keep going through the same bullshit over and over and over mm-hmm. with friends with family with relation like yeah romantic relationships I had jobs. a friend of mine <laughs> from work told me the story of how he was about to propose to his fiance and she broke up with him like out of the blue and then I had another friend from work who just ended an eight-year relationship. And, you know, it's it's truly wild to kind of – because I think that you do kind of have this idea of, well, when I'm older, all of this is going to happen. It's going to fall into place. Uh-huh. I'll meet someone. We're going to be together. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's going to work out. Because a lot of times what happens is, like, at a certain age, it's kind of like just whatever your relation, whatever relationship you're in at the time that uh-huh. you become ready to, like – go to the next stage Mm -hmm. just kind of gets brought along with it instead of like people thinking wait is this the relationship that I want to like exactly yeah it just goes like based off of a time table Mm -hmm. like especially if you're trying to start a family or something like that Mm -hmm. and I think because I'm not like that's freed me up in a lot of ways because I'm able to approach each relationship and be like this can last as long as it's good Mm -hmm. yeah like as long as it's good then I'm good. Right. You know, because I'm not trying to, like, you know, mm-hmm. pop some kids out. Like, I don't have a... You don't really have, like, this timeline that, yeah. like, some other people do. And I... Another thing that I hear, not so much anymore, but I used to hear it especially back in Texas, was I'd hear people who have been in these relationships for four years, five years, whatever, and there's this girl that I worked with... And she was talking about her boyfriend and how miserable she was and how unhappy she was in the relationship. And I was like, girl, I I think it's time for you to go. And I'm always going to be the person who supports a relationship as long as someone's happy. But as soon as they are like, I'm seeing the cracks and I don't like this and I'm unhappy, I'm like, get out of there. Like, fuck it, go. But she said, but we've been together for five years and that's five years of wasted time. And I don't think that – and I, I told her, I was like, I don't – that time's not wasted. And You know, I I know that especially if you, I can't even imagine being with someone and being like, yep, this is it, you know? Like, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around that at this point where I'm at, but it must be incredibly scary to be like, this is the person that I thought I was going to be with forever, and now I start over? Like, what do I, what do I do? And so I can understand why that's such a scary thing, but then in this particular situation, this does have a happy ending because she ended up breaking up with that guy she met a different guy like six months later and then they got married like two years later and she is so happy. And I see she pops up on my Facebook every once in a while and she's very, very happy. But yeah, and so it's, I like that you brought that up because I do think that there is a point, I don't necessarily want to say you become complacent, but you know, you're like, all right, this, this is it because we've been dating for this certain amount of time and after you date for a certain amount of time, you get married and you have kids and you do all that and then that's how you end up in an unhappy marriage. So, yeah, yeah, you really got to wake up every day and check in with yourself and check in with your relationship and see if it's something you still actively want to be in. Yeah. At the same time, like, I have two friends, shout out Kelsey and Brian. Hey, what up? That are celebrating their 12-year anniversary. They've been together since high school. We all went to high school together. Uh-huh. And they have been together throughout that entire period of time, mm-hmm. like, without significant, like, breaks, anything like that. And that, I look at that and I'm like, that's not necessarily what I 
what has been my journey. Mm-hmm. But wow, that's amazing. Like, yeah. that's that's uh, to have that kind of bond with somebody from mm-hmm. such a young age. Like, and it's funny because when you were talking about like you know ha- that feeling of I thought I was going to marry this person and then it, you know this didn't happen. Uh huh. I'm such a fucking nut. That's how I felt with my first love, dude. Like mm-hmm. I was so deeply like enamored with him Mm -hmm. that I truly felt like I could elope with him and I was like I was a very smart person outside of this yeah (laughs) of course oh no I completely I completely understand where you're coming from you know it was just and I'm sure if the reality of that had ever happened like I would have come to my senses Uh or at least waited but like I just I remember feeling those feelings so intensely at Mm -hmm. such a young age yeah and thinking, like, it can't, like, what am I going to do? Like, because mm-hmm. I cannot imagine it being any more powerful than this. Yeah. And I think first love is, like, really crazy that mm-hmm. way. Where it's, like, I am feeling this for the first time, and it's, I'm feeling it so deeply. Mm-hmm. And I also, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like, when you look back as this, like, soft-hearted, like, poet uh-huh. person... And you're like, I just felt the entirety of this so deeply mm-hmm. that it means so much more to me than it probably meant to you. Yeah. And it's sad and it's scary. Yeah. And I, the thing that I've had to come to terms with is that I think that things can mean different things to other people. And even I think that it's unfair to judge it based on I cared more than you did mm-hmm. whereas what I'm really active and this is so much easier said than done but I'm really actively trying to look at it as you cared differently than I did yeah and the most recent person I dated before what I'm in currently which I'm seeing someone but I think that's the first time I even mentioned that on the podcast <laughs> anyway I don't want to get too I don't want to get too deep into it but uh I'm like love junk my, exclusive oh my god love junk exclusive I feel myself like turning red um <laughs> so but but this most recent thing I remember thinking to myself and this is such a fucking crazy thing to think is because it felt so different than anything else I had ever experienced before And I even told him one night, I was like, I think you're the nicest guy I've ever dated. And he was like, oh God, like people have just been really awful to you. And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. And I looked at it and I I was just like, this feels so different. And I really did think to myself at one point, I'm like, shit, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to be a one forever because this is so perfect. Like this feels so good. And then it ended and I was like, womp, womp, womp. Like, you know, (laughs) and it was sort of like, oh no. And then all of a sudden you turn around and, and I'm not saying this happened like immediately, immediately, but then you meet someone else and you start hanging out with this person you're like oh shit like I really like for a hot second was like how am I ever gonna get over this and then Mm -hmm. and then you do and then you move on and and you meet other people that you care about in different ways but it's it's kind of that same thing where I really did look at the situation and be like this has to be it because it's it just has to be. It has to be. And then it wasn't. And I'm like, how will I ever survive? Because I'm such a drama queen. And and then I did. And look at me now. Look at you now. And look at me now. Thriving, like, surviving. Yes. Content with queen. my life where it is at the moment. Of course, dating stresses me out. I have no idea how to do it. And constantly I'm just like, what if he really secretly hates me? You know, <laughs> which he doesn't. The person I'm seeing right now does not hate me. And I know he doesn't. But every once in a while I'm like, but what if he does? <laughs> But what if he just like super hates me? <laughs> oh, oh, 
that's real. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Raquel Kane, do you believe in love? I do believe in love. Yay. Sorry, wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, like, just got real deep real fast. We definitely did, and then I was like, you know what? I don't even know when I'm going to interject with this, so I'm just going <laughs> to do it. Do it. Woo. Yeah, I definitely believe in love. I think that, you know, like I said, my first experience with romantic love was so intense that it definitely, like, gave me an impression and a standard of, like, what the rest of the relationships in my life of all kinds should be held to. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, my family's so great. Like, they've yeah. shown me familial love. And mm-hmm. I've had that kind of fortune. So, yeah, I believe in love. Yay. Yeah. How old were you when you had that when you had that first big love? I was 16. Okay. I want to say, yeah. I think that love is such a great, beautiful thing because I think that... I think that a lot of people kind of hold a standard to what love is. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand love. And I think you 100% do. I think you just have kind of a different version of love. Like what, like you said, you had this big first love when you were 16. And you base the standards of your new relationships kind of on that and what you will accept and what you won't accept. And so I think that it's important to love at all ages and have those big intense feelings. And I mean, I was 14 and I think the first boy who ever broke my heart, like I truly did fit, like I loved him in a way that a 14 year old girl loves someone. And, And it was intensely and it was like blinding and Like, it used to give me stomach pain straight up. It was just, like, my first big, like, oh, my God, like, this is it. Like, it physically gives you reactions. Yes. Uh Especially that young because it's so new. Like, I, you physically respond. Like, you get Uh tingles. You get aches. You, like, when it hurts, it fucking actually hurts in your chest. It does. It's an emotional pain that manifests into physical pain. And... It's something that, you know, recently when I was kind of in in a bad place, I would sort of think about that. Maybe it's just like sort of the poet in me, but how something can feel so strongly emotionally that it manifests itself into a physical like ache in your body. And it's like, isn't it crazy how bodies work and how your brain works and how everything's all connected and we're all souls inside these meat suits and it's just absolutely insane. But yeah, so I, I totally understand that. So you had that, you had the first big love, and then you were talking about dating in L.A. and how you were, so when you moved out here, were you long distance, or was that something that happened later? Yeah, I was in a long distance relationship. It was an open relationship. We had been open since, I think, maybe, like, this is pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And so that was an interesting place to be, because I was simultaneously, like, torn between, like, really missing my partner Mm -hmm. and really wanting to, you know, be with them. And then also, like, this desire to explore this new place that I was in. Right. And I think for me, exploring a new place where, at the time, like, I had a couple of friends from Texas. Mm -hmm. Most of my friends here still are from Texas. Right. We're taking over, guys. (laughs) Texas is taking over Los Angeles. We really are. And kind of the best way to get to know people outside of my social group that I already had, Mm -hmm. um, and who, like, you know, your relationship with people after college changes in a lot of ways. Like, you kind of learn, like, who you genuinely connect with, who you're kind of talking to because it was convenient. And, yeah, it's interesting. The only way to kind of get to know people outside of that is either your work or dating. Yeah. And I feel like... 
some of my best experiences in new cities and, and just, like, some of my best adventures in general have come from going on dates with people that I, like, didn't really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And I had the desire to explore that, and I did. Were you, like, on the apps? Were you meeting people going out? Like... Yeah, actually, it was people that I would meet through friends or Mm -hmm. whatever. And they were just kind of organic connections, like people who I would meet, like they seemed really cool, you know, we hit it off. Mm -hmm. And primarily what I was looking for wasn't like sex, it was just like those connections, which I think is why being in an open relationship was so rewarding in a lot of ways. Okay. Especially first moving here. And then I did have the stability of my partner. And of course, I think a lot of people that are in open relationships can probably attest, like, your partner's who you go home to and Skype every night Mm -hmm. and, you know, talk on the phone with. And that's home for you. So Uh it doesn't matter what you do when you're out because that's when you're out. Right. You come back home to this person. Okay. So yeah, that was kind of interesting, like, being in a long-distance relationship and, like, making that work and having that dedicated time to this person. Had you been in an open relationship before that, or, like, was it just because you were moving, or what what kind of inspired, like, opening the relationship? Or were y'all monogamous in the beginning, or was it always just sort of, like, an open? It was almost... I think it was almost always open because very soon after we started like seeing each other, I was going away or he was going away for a long, he was going away for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of was like, well, look, if you like meet someone out there that you have like a thing with, like, I know we've only been together like this amount of time, feel free. Mm -hmm. And the conversation kind of went from there. And in the end, the relationship ultimately, like, it didn't work out because of distance, but it also didn't work out because I don't think that he was able to do an open relationship. Okay. But that's something that you kind of had to try out to learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I learned a lot about the kind of relationships I'm able to do and not able to do and, Mm -hmm. like, the boundaries in those type of relationships and what I would need and want Mm -hmm. for the future, like, if that were to ever happen again. For example, if my partner were to be like, I want this to be an open relationship, like, I would have to consider certain things. Yeah. And I think that's something that you only really learn by doing it. Yeah. So I don't regret it, even though that's partially why the relationship failed. It's just a part of the learning process. Yeah. You have to try it to see. I think that there are some people... And, you know, I've I've heard so much about open relationships and I've heard many different perspectives on them. I don't necessarily know if it's something that I personally would be interested in, but I think that there are a lot of people who very seriously are like, yeah, I could consider it. Or even if they get into situations where they start dating someone who is interested in having an open relationship, then they kind of get into that. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that there is value if it is something that you think you could do or you would be interested in. There Obviously, there is value in and trying it out and seeing if it works. And even if it doesn't, at least you're like, okay, well, I checked off that box and now I know what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah, and and it's it's just going back to the whole like, and now how do I hold my future relationships in comparison to this? Do I want it to be different? Do I want... So yeah, it is, I think, you know, it's all, it's all part of the learning process and you have your whole life to figure these things out. And yeah, yeah it is kind of crazy. But like speaking of monogamy and stuff like that, um, I do have a question that I want to ask you, which is... Are you going to get married? And if you are, can I come? So, I don't know if I'm going to get married or not. Okay. I have some issues stemming from the fact that, like, it was originally a way to transact a person. Let's get the law involved so you can leave. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about all that. And I especially was never, like, the type of 
child to imagine my wedding. Okay. But as I've gotten older, I've started to think, of course, about it. And I think if I did get married, I would probably elope. Okay. But I would have a massive party when I came back. Yay! And you would definitely be invited. That's all I want. <laughs> I just, even if, look, even if you're just like, hey, for the ceremony part, that's just going to be the two of us. I'll be like, no, cool, there would have it. to be a party, though. Yay! I'm I a, love it. I'm a big believer in parties. Perfect. Do you, Is there anything that you would want at your post-elopement party? Anything I specific? I would still probably want to wear a dress. Like, yeah. <laughs> only because... So I was in Owings Mills Mall. Shout out Owings Mills, Baltimore. Hell yeah. Which is like a rundown ass mall <laughs> in Baltimore. It was not, it was not cute. <laughs> and, but there was this one like uh, tailor or like sewing shop uh-huh. that had this dress in the window. And it was like this vintage three quarter length swing dress. Oh my gosh. With a sweetheart neckline. And I was like, <gasps> that's my dress. <laughs> Oh so, my god. Even if I only ever like if I have to write a movie in which I'm a bride in order to wear this dress, mm-hmm. I will wear it. I don't care. I'll make it happen. I love that you say that because I have actually in my brain I've seen like really pretty wedding dresses and I thought like I want to wear that, but obviously I don't want to get married right now. So like maybe I can be in a movie where I wear a wedding dress. <laughs> like I've had that exact same thought where it's like even if I have to write a part for myself where I am a bride, I'm gonna fucking put on a pretty dress, even if I'm not ready to get married yet. <laughs> Dude, I have thought about it too, and I was like, if it ends up this way, I would be very happy being an old lady, bachelorette, cougar, buy myself a fucking ring. Be like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm gonna spend eight grand on a fucking ring for myself because I'm a bad bitch and I can do what I want. And every time (laughs) I look at it, I just think, like, damn. I love me. I love me so much. What ring would you buy yourself? Design the ring right now. Oh, I have okay. to know. I have spot. to know. All right. It yes. would be an Art Deco. Ooh. Art Deco I love this ring. already. Yeah, like with like really ornate metal work around okay. the band. Really like delicate though. Mm-hmm. And then just like a whopper in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> just like Fuck super yeah. cut whopper. <laughs> like that would, in my ideal world. But I would really want the... Beautiful, like, geometric mm-hmm. Art Deco designs in the middle work. Because I want, I have standards. I of need course. artistry. Yeah. It can't just be, like, an obnoxious ring. And if like, you're going to, I mean, if you're going to drop eight grand on yourself, like, might you. Might as well. You, it might as well. <laughs> like, you make it what you want. I have been tasked, at least with, like, Natalie specifically, because, like, they're going to, and Natalie and I are going to get married. It's, it's no secret. Happening. But she has, there was one day, this pisses me off so much because it totally messed up my Instagram algorithm. But there was one night where she and I were just, like, sitting on the couch sending each other pictures of engagement rings. Just being like, we were next to each other. We weren't even showing them. We were just, like, sending them, being like, I like this one. I think this would look good on you. Or, like, this is a good ring. And so now I think – and there's also, like, a Sex in the City episode where Carrie finds a ring and she doesn't like it. And then she finds out, like, Miranda helped the dude pick it out. And then she has, like, I guess, like, Samantha helps him pick out a new one or something like that. But it's, like – Obviously, there are so many other things to fear in this life, but also, what if you really, like, dead-ass fall in love with someone, like, you think that they know you so well, and they get you, like, this ugly ass ring? Hey, it's supposed to be the best moment of your dumb life. 
getting engaged and then they open the box you're like crying and it's like a fucking ugly ass ring and you're like oh no it's just like the most obnoxious yellow gold and like the worst cut like in the world like it doesn't Mm -hmm. even gleam it doesn't it doesn't even gleam in the (laughs) boomerang gleam in the boomerang (laughs) i've also said this i swear to god if my future fiance proposes to me and my nails aren't done i swear (laughs) to god i will freak out and i know that that sounds so dumb and petty but that is just me let me Make sure my nails are done. Do it. Get me a manicure. Straight up be like, hey, baby, you've been working hard lately. I paid for you to go get a manicure on this day at this time specifically. Go, go, go. (laughs) Do that. Um, Chance and I, good friend Chance Stewart, and I have this running joke that he was like, what if on this day none of your other friends are available and your fiance finally hits me up and he's like, Chance, dude you gotta go get a manicure with Charlotte because she's not gonna get it because she's gonna fucking kill me if her nails aren't done (laughs) when I propose. And he's like, I will do this for you. And then, because Chance knows 100%, if he called me up and was like, hey, I wanna try getting a manicure, will you come with me and get a manicure? I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'm there. And so I just imagine Chance just like getting his little nails done so my my beautiful engagement fingers look great for a photo. My boyfriend does manicures with me. Oh, it's so great. I, I love, love that. Him. Get you a man who does manicures with you. Yeah. Put putting the man in manicure. A <laughs> a <laughs> Okay, so big party, giant Art Deco ring, amazing. Either way, it just you're it, invited to the party. For hell sure. yeah! Um, if you do end up just like if if you don't get married and you're just like you know what, I'm just gonna be like an old lady and buy oh, myself. I will a ring marry myself, the, a la Glee. Like hell, fucking what's yeah, Sue Sue Sylvester. Yeah, that came from the dark recesses of my mind of like someone who used to watch Glee very regularly. My sister was obsessed. Yeah, I think we all had really high hopes and it just, you know, it just, it stopped delivering. (laughs) We're like, a musical TV show? Oh my god. All of us are dumb theater kids. We're like, ah, I love this. Darren Chris, Starkid. Darren Chris, Very Potter musical to Glee. We love it. I do love Darren Chris. I saw him at Friends and Family in in Hollywood once. He was there with his fiance, I think. I I think, I don't think they're married yet. His fiance and like her parents were assuming. They've been together a long time. Yeah. I remember because I had this like really intense crush on him Mm -hmm. where like you can edit this out if you want to, but I would have intense like sex dreams and like I was obsessed with Darren. We were not going to edit that out. (laughs) The whole whole world's going to know about your really intense sex dreams. Yeah, and I had this like, but then I had this like intense conflict internally because Mm -hmm. I was like, but he has a girlfriend. And so in my mind, I, would, I was like, well, she would have to be into it. That's so, so sweet. That is so sweet that you considered her and all this. Because, like, sometimes I have sex dreams about people and I'm just like, ooh, yikes. And then I just, like, never say anything. And I'm like, all right, whatever. But, yeah, I think that you can have you can have huge crushes on people. As long as you're not, like, trying to fuck up their relationship. Like, you know, a crush is a crush. Yeah. Especially on a celebrity. It's okay. I think yeah. when Darren Chris hears this, I think he'll understand. <laughs> I think he'll understand. When Darren Chris listens to my podcast. Yeah. Um, shout out Darren Chris. Shout out Darren Chris. Hit me up if you want to be on the pod. <laughs> it's so funny because people will say, they'll, like, they won't use code names and they'll be like, they'll never listen to this. And I'm like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But also, ouch. You know, like who knows? Mm. Who knows? We got We got people in... Germany and Brazil and Thailand listening to it. Who knows? Maybe your dumb ex will listen to it. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> if my dumb ex is listening to this, 
Hey, mm-hmm. I hope you're doing okay. Oh, that's very Shout sweet. <laughs> Speaking of dumb exes, though, are there any? I just feel like this this has just come up so naturally. I know it sounds like you were, you know, you are good on good terms with your dumb ex, but I do have to ask: Is there anyone you would want to like low key curse? And obviously, we don't wish death or dismemberment here on Love Drug. When we low key curse someone, we're just we're just you know wishing for mild inconvenience. Is there anyone that you have anything? Well, the one ex that I would low-key curse, honestly, like, probably just low-key curses himself and the way he lives his life. Damn, (laughs) that's intense. So, I don't feel like I need to low-key curse anyone I was just romantically. Maybe I'd low-key curse, like, someone I used to love who I don't love anymore. Okay. What, what What would you bestow upon them? I hope the next time you get up to perform, you forget your oh my god and there's just that really weird awkward pause and like to you it feels like a fucking eternity and i hope that the crowd is not super supportive (laughs) and i hope you look at your scene partner and they're just giving you fucking nothing they're just giving you nothing they're not even gonna help you a little bit i hope you're on stage and you can't see the audience's disappointment but you can but you can just feel it. They're just <laughs> sending it all out towards you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's I kind a of good like low hate, I kind of hate that I low-key curse someone, but at the same time, like, sometimes you have to be petty. Sometimes being petty is okay. And that's also a big thing. Low-key cursing. I... I never, I also never want someone to be, like, emotionally scarred. We don't want to cause trauma Everyone forgets their lines. Everyone fucks up. But, you know, it's just sort of like a... And honestly, like, the setting in which I'm imagining would probably be really supportive and be like... Yeah. Yeah. So, it would be fine. It would probably never happen, which is why I feel okay about Loki cursing them. Loki curse. You got cursed. In an ideal dream. I would have this dream that they would, like, forget their words. Yeah. It would be great. I think that that's entirely reasonable. I'm trying to think of if there's anyone... I want to low-key curse. Okay, I'll low-key curse someone. Um, oh, this might be hard because I don't really know. I don't really know much about vapes, but uh, <laughs> I hope that just says so much. But uh, I hope that next time you go to you go to hit up that that old that old vape of yours, you uh you thought you had more more juice in the cartridge, and it just it ran out. A lot faster. What, what? No, let me tell you what you low-key curse Okay, me. wait, please tell me. I know nothing about vapes. Please, please. Because I've tried to quit smoking a lot, so I know about vapes. Okay, <laughs> tell me, cur- curse this person I who hope, has a vape. We hope the next time you go to hit that vape, your coil is real burnt, and it makes the juice bad. Oh, no. So then when you breathe it in, instead of tasting like Maui Wowie, it <laughs> burns your throat, and it tastes like burnt Fred. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I want. I'm a petty bitch. I love it. I love you being a petty bitch. And I love you knowing more information than I do about vapes. So as to get a proper curse. Yes, this is what I wanted. This is why you're on the podcast. Um, obviously, there are many reasons why you're on the podcast. Not just this one. But I like this one. This I like good. this, too. This I like fun. it. Do I have the owl eyebrows I was asking you about earlier? No, I think you're all good. Okay, good. This yeah. eyeliner... So, how did you meet your current person? Actually, we went organically. Oh my god, what? So no we, app involved? 
no app involved. Wild. We met through a friend. Mm-hmm. Actually, I believe that I had gotten out of work early one night. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to do something. I wasn't really ready to, like, go home and be done with the night. Uh-huh. And I think it was specifically because I had just gotten this turtleneck from Whitney Bell. <laughs> like... You were feeling sassy in your turtleneck? Yeah. <laughs> it says, like, uh, revolt. Okay. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. So I was, like, ready to debut that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to get out. I need to get out of the house. And I met up with my friend Brittany mm-hmm. and she was at this place uh in downtown LA that has like a bunch of different rooms one of which is like a tiki room okay and we were in the like secret tiki room and Clifton's yeah. was that it uh-huh. okay yeah so there's a little secret tiki room uh-huh um, everyone always fucking they're like have you been to the secret room at Clifton's and I'm like no I'm not cool enough leave me alone <laughs> I haven't been there. Get out. And we're like blowing up the spot right now. Yeah. We're just going to be like, where's the tiki room? Um, I listen to Love Drunk and I heard about a tiki room and I want to go to there. And that'll be the running joke is that even after I get all these people to go there, I will never go. (laughs) It was actually, from what I remember, the second time I had met him. Okay. We had possibly met, ironically, at my house because I... Originally lived with um, two of my friends, and I was about to move out, so they went to go rent the room, and he looked at it, <gasps> about to move into it. Oh my god, that's so crazy. Ships passing in the night. Ugh. And then apparently he was at my house for like a party or two, and I either was working or just was doing my own thing with my own mm. friends and didn't give a fuck about anybody else. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. So I didn't even pay attention, mm-hmm. and by the time Clifton's came around, this is Actually, like, I met him a couple times, I guess. Mm-hmm. His sister um, is a character, and I originally was kind of like, you know, it was late night when we were there, and I was looking all around, and I was kind of like looking at a guy in the corner, like, mm-hmm. and I was trying to get myself a pet pep talk. I was like, <laughs> You're like, you've got a new turtleneck. Like, girl, go for yes. it. Yes. Go. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, girl, I feel like tonight something's going to happen. Uh-huh. Like, you just got to go for it tonight. Like, mm-hmm. just go for it. And I'm like, I'm going to talk about Dee. I'm going to ask about Dee here as we dance. Uh-huh. And then I hear, Jeff, Hester already. And it is my current boyfriend's sister. And I, I guess, like, at, she had been trying to, like, push him on multiple girls. Oh, like, my God. At different points of the night. Uh-huh. And then she, like, set her sights on me and was like, for some reason, you know, thought that we should meet or uh-huh. whatever. I don't know if he showed interest or something mm-hmm. like that, but very loudly said that, and I jerked my head around because I was like, who is this bitch? <laughs> like, what is she saying? Oh my she god. really loud. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it turns out she was talking about me, and I kind of looked over, and it was like that moment in movies where... Like, a light shines down, and it was like, oh, who are you? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, there was a spotlight on him, and I was like, where'd you come from? Like, oh I, didn't, I didn't know you were, you were here. That's cool. And we danced. Mm-hmm. We slow danced at Clifton's oh, in the tiki room. In the tiki room. It was really cute. And when I finally make it to that tiki room, I'm going to be like, this is where it happened. This is where it all went down. 
This is where it all This is where the magic happened, where they just kiss her already and the slow dancing (laughs) and all that. It's that's it all happened right here. You have to like say it to somebody else to pass it on. Mm Mm-hmm. You pass on the magic. Kiss her already, drunk white girl like calls. Hell yeah. Hey, look, it's the drunk white girl. It's not a curse Mm because it turned out good so like yeah what do you call it blessing blessing is the drunk the white drunk girl blessing. white girl blessing yeah yes they're already i have actually had and this was also it was it, maybe it was a little different because it was college but i have had i think multiple of my friends relationships kind of start literally because their drunk friend was like you should just ask her out like you should just go for it like you should just do it and then something <laughs> happens and that's like the catalyst that Starts this whole ass relationship. Dude, so you never know. It is real. I mean, look at drunk girls in bathrooms. Like, how often have you been, like, brought back on your... I don't know about you, but I have been brought back on my feet uh-huh. by drunk girls in bathrooms. Oh, like, hell yeah. I go into the bathroom, I'm like, I saw him dancing with her, and, <laughs> he, and she looks so good, and you can just see my cellulite on my face. <laughs> And then, like, some drunk girl in the bathroom's like, bitch, get up. We're fixing your eyeliner. We're going to, like, get some, wipe this off. Like, I have done that for people before. There was a yes. girl in the bathroom, and she was drunk, and she was crying. And she's like, I know he loves me, but he, like, just won't tell me. And I'm like, girl, even if he does love you, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but if he doesn't tell you that he loves you and he doesn't act like it, even if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he does, or even if all his dumb friends told you he does, or if his best girlfriend is like, oh my god, he secretly loves you, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. You gotta take him at his word, and if he treats you like shit, don't let him get away with that. Don't let him do it. And she's like, you're right. And I'm like, I know I'm right. I love you. Yeah. Give me a hug. What's your name again? Like, truly, <laughs> literally, like, drunk girls in bathroom support everybody. Everyone. Drunk girl in bath, drunk girls in bathrooms run the world. Hell yeah! I go in, I wash my hands, I get comfortable in my outfit, I come out, I feel like a whole new woman. Yes, I love it. Anyway, sorry. So, oh yeah, what were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Your boy and the drunk girl blessing, and and the Clifton's, and you slow danced, and slow danced, and we kissed, and from that moment, it was pretty, uh, pretty on. Like there wasn't really a break ever. We just kind of started, started going. And I think the thing that made this um, so different than, like, any other relationship I've ever had was on the very first date, we walked around North Hollywood and we basically laid out our dirty laundry. (laughs) And he was like, well, this, this, and this about me. Like, and Mm -hmm. if that freaks you out or if you can't hang with that, then, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, okay, Dang. cool, well, this, this, and this about me. Uh-huh. You can't hang with that, let me know, because it's over. <laughs> like, Dang. And we both kind of came out on the defensive, and we're just like, look, this is what's going on, this is what I've been through, like, mm-hmm. if this is too much baggage for you, then... I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And I think that to have somebody else do the exact same thing. And actually, I think he did it first. Like, I think he kind of opened up to me before. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure, actually, but he opened up to me before I did open up to him. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, impressed. I was like, well, that's what I was planning on doing, so <laughs> I don't know. That's so incredible. <laughs> and I, you know, I think that, and I think it's different for every relationship, and I do have 
there are certain people in my life who are very big proponents. I'm like, don't give them all your shit right away. Like, don't do that. But I think that sometimes maybe you just need to. And I think that if you're in a specific position, especially when, like, he's the one who's like, yo, if this is going to go forward, like, you need to know this. And then that kind of gives you encouragement to do it the same way if you're kind of holding on to the same things. Kind of similar but different, but... I actually had a conversation with the dude I'm seeing now where we have talked openly about things that have happened in the sense of like, this is the worst date I've ever been on. This is a thing my ex did like this and not in a sense of like, hey, let me sit you down. Let let me tell you all my baggage. Let me tell you everything that freaks me out. But in a way where we kind of casually talk about it and I finally brought it up and I was like, I feel like these are things that you and I should not talk about based on how little time we have spent together And it's like, and it's, but it's not bad. And I don't feel weird about it. And he and I both kind of laughed because they were like, when I'm saying these things, there's a thing in the back of my head being like, don't tell them this. But then it all just all comes out and then it's all like fine. Like, and it's all, you know, and, and I would never say don't tell anyone your baggage if you feel that that's like a thing that you need to do and need to get off your chest. And then later we did have a conversation where I was like, look, I got super blindsided with the last person I dated. So you got to be honest with me. And he's like, cool, I'm gonna be honest with you. And I was like, dope, great. Moving on. We're doing fine. But, uh, but yeah, it is really interesting how sometimes like that shit can all just sort of like come out and it does actually make you feel a little bit lighter and you're just sort of like oh good like we're on the same page here yeah I feel like too it has to do with like the point of your life that you're in Mm -hmm. because at the time both of us had just come out of fairly like raw places right yeah and I think it's different when you maybe like are more in your element and more like and coming from a place of power and stability on Mm -hmm. your own because like, I'm a whole person right now. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was on the verge of that, but I think being with my partner actually helped me get to the point, for sure, where I'm, like, more standing in my power now mm-hmm. than I probably have ever been. And partially due to that stability, partially due to having a support system that, like, I don't have to worry about. You know, having someone to depend on can really help you grow in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, but I was on the verge of that, where I was, like, very independent, and I had come out of a tremendous period of hitting the bottom and, like, growing up through the dirt and uh-huh. seeing the sunlight <laughs> and all that bullshit. Uh-huh. And then he had just come out of actually a long-term relationship ending. Oh, big yikes. So we were both in places where it was kind of like, take me as I am, and Mm -hmm. if you can't take me, then bye. Yeah. And I think that's like, that sets you up specifically for like really having to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think it's different when you like have had time to kind of process all of that and you're in a more stable place. And I think that also comes with age. Okay. I think that, like, I think as I get older, I won't feel the need to, like, necessarily lay out all my bullshit on the first date Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think I'll just be able to, like, tell what kind of person someone is, like, Mm -hmm. if I am in a position to be dating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think as you get older, your intuition gets better. Oh, I would, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah. That that brings up a, a point that, and I do actually kind of want to ask you about this. What do you think of... Because you did say that your current partner had just, like, not, maybe not just come out of a long-term relationship, but where do you stand on the sense of, like, timing 
in someone's life, in relationships. Because the way I look at it, there are so many people that are very much like timing is everything. They can be the right person at the wrong time, blah, blah, blah. But I've always sort of been under the impression that if it is the right person, the timing doesn't matter as much. So where do you stand on that with like the timing of everything? And like, and I, and I'm always going to be a proponent of taking time for yourself, but just, I think that that's such like a big, a big thing when you're talking about dating is like the timing of it all. So, so what, what's your take on it? I think that in the end it's irrelevant as to whether it's the right person at the wrong time or not, because the reality is, is that you're at this time now. Mm -hmm. I have felt that way though, like. And I've, I've even, like I said, with that first relationship, I had someone who at the time, I guess, was in their maybe 20s or early 30s, I think 20s, and I was in high school and I was in this relationship, and she looked at me one day and she was like, I wish you guys met each other in your 30s. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I was just like, in my head, I was like, why the fuck did you just tell me that? <laughs> because, like, you... Because I know what you mean when you say that, and it Mm -hmm. sucks. Yeah. And that's how I felt at the time. Like, I just felt so, like, upset. But at the same time, like, it was a recognition that, like, this is a really special relationship. Mm -hmm. So, like, when even somebody who is outside of it can recognize that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's okay to feel that way, and I think that it's legitimate to feel that way. But I do think at the end of the day, it's like... You can't spend time thinking about if it was the right relationship at the wrong time or not because the point is is that it's not going to be any other time than now. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. I think it's something pretty that people like to say when they Mm -hmm. do really. and And I do believe it took me a very long time to come to terms with and and you know I've I've talked about this on the podcast multiple times emotional unavailability coming from a a person where I feel like I am overly emotionally available like I feel like I'm emotionally available to everyone and it's taken a long time and once again like kind of growing and with age and with more relationships it's getting a little bit easier for me to look at someone and be like hey maybe this didn't work out because you hate me or you don't think that I'm like good enough maybe you just have shit going on that like I'm not privy to and I talked to a friend about this and she had read something where it was like being emotionally unavailable doesn't mean that you don't want to be with someone it's that you don't necessarily want to be responsible for someone else's feelings because like you have your own feelings to deal with and I'm like ah god I kind of understand that I totally get that and just as someone who is like so very open to love and that's not to say that I'm like perfect and always like open and loving and everything but as someone who is just, I love being responsible for other people's emotions. Like, I love that shit. Let me make you happy. Like, you know, but but I can't What's understand that. I'm a Pisces. Oh, which okay. I feel like makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, last night one of my coworkers was like, do you have any Pisces in your chart? And I was like, let me tell you. I'm like Pisces dominant. Just like a, a little feelings monster. Just right over here. Just wanting to love everyone. But yeah, it's, it's I think that, I think that you're totally right where, there is no time but now. And I don't know if you watch Bob's Burgers. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? I love Bob's Burgers. So the the youngest daughter, Louise, she has she has uh, my 
love my spirit. I feel like we could put some bunny ears on you and you could be Louise 100%. Have you been Louise for Halloween ever? No. You you should definitely do that. You should do that for sure. Uh, So she has a nemesis named Logan, who's a kid who's like a little bit older than her. And there's this one, there's this one episode where they're fighting and Jean says, I can't wait for you guys to reconnect in your thirties and get married. And I love that because in my brain, I just accepted that as canon. And I was like, yep, Louise and Logan meet up in their thirties and they get married. And, but it's, it is kind of that funny thing where it's nice to think about the future and it's nice to think about like maybe one day, but you know, all you have is right now. Yeah. And and you'll drive yourself crazy if you just keep thinking about, like, in another life, in another time, in another... If things were a little bit different. Well, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, and you're you, and I'm me, and that's just how it goes. Yeah, it's rough. Like, I think that the one thing... I do not take breakups well. And I say this as someone who has only ever been broken up with, except mm-hmm. for one time. <laughs> like, I broke up with my first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And and I only count like relationships that right. are of a significant amount of time. Uh-huh. Like this doesn't count like people like dating people in between. But yeah. In terms of like big relationships, I've only ever been dumped like oh, outside God. of the first time. Mm-hmm. So I take breakups really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you go through like a big breakup, you kind of try to comfort yourself like maybe this can work out, like, another time, mm-hmm. like, maybe in another, like, you know, world law, if this happened, if this happened, like, it's a way of coping, it's a way of dealing yeah. with it, and I think that's, like, kind of the first stage of grief, <laughs> like, yeah. and then the next is, like, or at least a later stage of grief is, this might have happened and it ended, but what did I learn from this, mm-hmm. like, and what did I get from this, and what has this shown me about what I want in my next relationship and what I don't want in my next relationship? And mm-hmm. I think that that's what they mean when they say, like, when you get older, you know more about what you want, and it comes from doing it. Yeah. Or not doing it. It comes from wanting to do something and never having done it. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I think that there's a lot of different journeys in terms of love, like romantic love, mm-hmm. and the only way to successfully transition from one stage to the other is to just realize, like, I just have to take what I can from this mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, try and find something better next time. Yeah. I think that the hardest thing, right after I got dumped the last time, first of all, I will also say, I the the dudes who have dumped me, because, once again, there, there are dates here and there where I've told people, like, I don't want to see you again, sorry. But the people that I've been really emotionally invested in, well, okay, I guess that's, I have ended, there have been like two things that I've ended, but really they kind of ended it because they were the ones that are like, I don't want anything serious. And so I ended it for my sake, but them saying that they don't want anything serious also kind of like crushed me. So what sucks for the dudes that I date, uh, boys, if you're out there listening to this, is that it's not even necessarily them dumping me it's not an isolated thing but because of my history of like always being dumped and like never having anyone be like I want you to be my girlfriend and I'm like dope cool relationship uh I feel like it's it's them and then it's every other thing that I've dealt with and all the other shit I've dealt with and all of my other baggage just like bubbles up to the surface and I'm just like oh cool I am unlovable amazing wonderful and so it's it's that thing, and then eventually I, like, shove that down, and, and I, I, you know, come to my senses a little bit more. 
so this so most recently after I was dumped the last time, I literally told everyone I was like the thing that sucks is I know that all I need is time and I can't just skip ahead. I can't just fast forward through this time of being sad and being emotional and being fucking angry. Like I wanted to punch his face in. Like Every time I saw him, I was like, I, I'm going to kill you. Like, I, oh my god. And I, like, made a joke to my friends. I'm like, I'm like, he's lucky I didn't key his fucking car. Like, I was just so angry for a hot second. And then one day you wake up and you're like, oh. And it's not that you're, like, better, but you're you're not angry anymore. And you're not, like, and even if you're a little sad about certain things, it's not, like, an overwhelming amount of sadness. And so that's the shittiest thing is taking that time and like post breakup, even if you know that it's going to be okay, because we all know at this point, nothing has killed us yet. (laughs) You know, like we're still here. Nothing has destroyed us. We just need time. But being at the beginning versus like coming out of it in the end, it's just such a huge fucking difference. And it can be like that time can just be the worst because you know it's going to be okay. You know it's going to be okay someday. But it's but just, like, like, getting there. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of which, speaking of breakups and stuff, um, I want to talk about love songs and breakup songs. Yay. Tell me, tell me, what what are you listening to right now? What's your favorite love song, your favorite breakup song? So, I generally, I've been known to make breakup playlists for my friends whenever they go through a breakup. Hell yeah. I love that. I love um, that so much. Yeah, I, I did it more in, like, high school and college, because as you get older, like, sometimes it becomes less, like, poignant when somebody gives yeah. you a breakup mix, and more like, you're mocking this tragedy in oh my life. Oh my god, I still have, I still have Shambles 2K15, which was the last, uh, which was the last breakup playlist I made, obviously, god, what year is it, four years ago. Uh, and every once in a while I pop back to it and I'm like, still kind of relevant. Still good. Still good. Uh, still a good mix, honestly. Oh, I, I stand by, like, all of my old playlists and mixes and that I used to make. Right now, I have been just deeply embedded into old school country. Um, I don't know so. if it was, like, leaving Texas. I was never really a country kind of person. But every once in a while, like, I'll hear a country song and I'm just like, oh. Just like stab me in the heart, like yes, I'm into it. I mean, I think there's no other genre besides actual emo music <laughs> that truly encompasses like sadness mm-hmm. and it maybe like some opera, but <laughs> that's the only other like genre right, I can yeah. think of that like truly. Like that old twang, like like ah, oh, the old. You school. can hear the emotion. Like. Yeah, and um, recently, I mean, always, but specifically recently, I've been on a Patsy Cline kick, and I think probably my like breakup song has been uh, "Fall to Pieces" by Patsy Cline, and then like. It's not necessarily a love song in the traditional sense, but it's a love song in the sense of, like, get away from my person or else I will hurt you. (laughs) Yes, I love it. um, We got Fist City. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I've ever heard that. 
You never heard Fist City? I don't think so. Fist City by Loretta Lynn is a really great song that essentially is uh, saying, you know, you better get off my man if you don't want to go to Fist City. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I think is like so fucking redneck, but oh my I God. love it. But you love it too. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. Like, oh, I love that. I mean, it's. Something specific because my father's side comes from Texas, Alabama, mm-hmm. like very, very southern, very much into like old school country music. And it's a very specific subculture that intertwines like a social and sociocultural like community with mm-hmm. an economic cap- case or okay. caste, whatever yeah. you call it. Because, like, to be a poor, like, redneck southern person is, like, a very specific thing. Yeah. And it's, like, trailer parks and big hair and Dolly Parton Mm -hmm. and, like, all this stuff that I really love. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I think of love songs, like, yeah, there's, like, the, you know, yearning, like, I, I also think of the song Sea of Love. Specifically, the rendition done by Cat Power, like, is always really good. I always think of, like, pure love when I hear that song. But then there's also fucking Loretta Lynn singing, You better get away from my man if you don't want to go to Fist City. Like, I will take you by the hair. <laughs> like, oh literally, that's yes. line. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. I love that so much. What? So, oh. yeah, you can give me all the cat powers, sea of love, like, and I'll sing along to that when I'm actually, like, mm-hmm. in the honeymoon phase. Right. But when it comes to being in a real relationship, it's Fist City, baby. Uh-huh. Get away from my man. <laughs> I love that. I want to, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to listen to that song because that sounds fantastic and also you know just where we are and it's so funny that you bring this up and like kind of like the redneck the country and yes you know where we are in our lives it's like can't steal a man who doesn't want to be stolen and and you know if you should always you know maybe maybe they're just talking you should always respect other women blah 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 but then at the same time it's also just like talk to my man again we're gonna go to fist city bitch come on let's go i think there's even a line in the song that's like i know my cat, he might be kitten around, like, implying that, like, my man might go along with it, but you're the one who's gonna get your ass beat. <laughs> Which is, like, so not it's even, so like, feminist. Not okay, like, it's so but, not Oh, it's like that. But at the same time, <laughs> like, it's so uh, I was at a I was at a bar last night and I, I knew one of the bartenders pretty well and I went to say hi to him and like he so they were playing pop punk at this bar and I was living for it. Oh my god, I was just like pop punk princess right over here. Someone was like, Who sings the song? And I was like, Oh, it's some forty one and they're like, No, it's not and I was like, oh, okay, I think Google it is and then he Googled it. He Googled it and he was like, Fuck, you're right, that was it's some forty one's first album and I was like, Yeah, you bet your ass it is. Like I know what I'm talking about, pop punk princess over here. But then I went over to the bartender and I gave him a hug and he's like, you're in luck, pop punk, and then we're going to close down and switch to old school country. And I was like, ooh, that's some shit I like. (laughs) And truly, once again, I will say that I don't think I had an... Because I I feel like there's... um, Are are you familiar with Bo Burnham and and his comedy? He has like a... He so he has a whole song about 
how he really loves and respects like old school country, but he thinks that like stadium country nowadays, which is just like a bunch of buzzwords and all that. He he doesn't really have that much respect for it. And he yeah. has a whole a, a whole fake country song um where he's literally like cold beer in a bit like a, like big truck like you know things like that and he's just like i walk and talk like a field hand but the boots i'm wearing cost five grand uh <laughs> i write songs about riding tractors from the comfort of a private jet and so like that's little things like that but, my yeah. dad wrote this song um in response to blake shelton at the country music awards a couple of years ago made a big old statement saying he didn't want to listen to some old fart country music and that was infuriating mm-hmm. and then my dad wrote a song uh called i'd rather be an old fart than a new country turd <laughs> i love that dale oh watson everybody Damn, uh, Watson. Shout out Watson. Oh my gosh. I'm doing all the shout outs in this episode. I love it. So I'd rather be an old fart than a new country turd. Mm. And I was like, you go, daddy. <laughs> nice. I love that. I will say that probably my most recent like breakup song, quote unquote, is and this. It's so funny how you can listen to a song a million times and then you listen to it after an experience and you're like, oh shit. Mm. Like, yeah. Um, Jukebox the Ghost Made for Ending. Mm. Uh, it's literally a song where he's like, I should have known right from the start that we were made for ending. And it's sort of kind of like post-relationship where you are sort of, I guess, in a, in a better place and you can kind of analyze. I don't know. She was just playing, like, my, my roommate was playing it in the car and we were just sort of, like, dancing along and, like, singing to it. And I've heard the song a million times, but it was kind of after being dumped and then, like, taking that time and getting over it and kind of looking back on everything – and it's not necessarily like, oh, I should have known this would never work out. But at the same time, it's sort of like, all right, like, this didn't work out. And, you know, it's he's kind of playing up on, like, I should have known. Like, right from the start. We were always, this was always going to happen, yeah. you know? And you just, like, feel much more content where you are, I suppose. But uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. But, but yeah, May for ending, Jukebox the Ghost, I would say that that's, like, my current breakup, quote-unquote, song. Uh yeah. I love the amount of like jukebox the ghost. Oh my god, it's just Natalie has made <laughs> Natalie has made garbage of us all. Truly. No. Well, actually speaking of Natalie, her latest song that she did at that show, mm-hmm. Bad Guy. Natalie that Patton. Made me cry, dude. Oh. I was like, dude, I've been there. Fuck. Natalie Patton, my roommate slash best friend slash musician. You can follow her on Instagram at NatPatsings. She does music and she recently was has started performing a new song that hopefully they're going to record soon because it sounds so good. And it's called Bad Guy. And it's basically about someone ending a relationship to let someone else go as opposed to not like, oh, I hate you and this is done and fuck you, but more of like, hey, if I know that I'm going to let you go and it's going to be very upsetting, but I will be the bad guy if that means that you can move on with your life, you know? So it's, uh... Yeah, yeah. and it's, I think it also is a song that speaks to the matter of timing that we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier, where it's like, you could meet someone who's amazing and who is everything you ever wanted, 
But if, like, the timing's not right, it's, like, you're doing that person a disservice by continuing to stay with them. Mm -hmm. Like, I will also say, and this is something I've kind of come to terms with recently, because I was lucky enough, when you're Natalie Patton's roommate, uh, you get to hear the demo right after she writes the song. And so I heard, like, like, the little demo that she sent me, and I feel like listening to that more and more kind of helped me through the most recent dumping that I received was kind of like oh maybe this person isn't like yes the ending was handled terribly however I don't think that this person is a bad person and you know and I would never like chalk it up to like an actual very long relationship or whatever but I do understand where someone is coming from where it's like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go because yeah. timing is not right with me, you know. And that's always my hardest thing is I, I never I never like to see other people's perspectives. I just like see I'm like, you hurt me, you are bad. And uh but that's honestly listening to that song really did kind of help me through. So I guess yeah, also Bad Guy by Natalie Patton. I don't know where y'all can listen to it. I think she might have posted it on her Instagram. I'm not sure, but uh Follow Natalie Patton. At Nat, Nat, Nat Pat Sings. At Nat Pat Sings. I will also I'll advertise that. Usually I just advertise the guest, but I will once again, advertise her. Well, it counts. We're plugging it now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, Raquel, we've reached the end, and I realized we never told the audience what we were drinking, so I feel like we should probably <laughs> do that right before it finishes up. And obviously, it will be in the title of the episode, but I want you to talk about it anyway. We are drinking mezcal and pineapple. Which is a good, smoky, delicious drink. Yeah, it's nice and uh, rich, full-bodied. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want so I don't want some uh, watery drinks in here. Yeah, like, I've had two, and I feel like a very comfortable amount of turnt. Yeah, like obviously cannot go drive a car right now, but also am not just like stumbling around like an absolute mess. I think that it was a good, like you said, full body drink. Very yeah, nice. You can sip on it. Yeah, we were, we've been sipping on it. It's been good. Yeah, you you recommended the brand and everything too. It was uh, I was never I. I think I'd had tastes of mezcal, but I don't think I'd ever had, like, a full-blown, like, mezcal drink before. So, uh, thank you for introducing well, me. Well, you mixed it perfectly. So, shouts out to, uh, Bartender Charlotte. Thank you. I make all the drinks on Love Drunk, unless someone is very specifically, like, honestly, I say someone, like, Ross Clark, I feel like, is the only person <laughs> who's come in with a specific, he's like, it's called Tiger's Blood, and this is how you make it, and I will make it for us, and it's all these ingredients. Oh, that was from, uh, the bar in Austin. Yeah, from Easy Tiger, and he begged, he oh, begged the bartender for the Tiger. recipe before he moved, and they're like, no, it's a secret recipe, and he's like, dude, I'm going to LA, I gotta know what's in this, and he's like, alright. <laughs> and so, that specific recipe, he did make that, but otherwise, I mixed the drinks on Love Drunk, and, um, and I, I hope I've gotten, I'm, I'm a good little bartender. Uh, I did go through a burnout phase right after I graduated high school where I was drinking a lot. So I got real good at beer pong and I'm real good at mixing drinks. <laughs> yes, girl. Hell yeah. But yeah, so now we've reached the end and I, I've had such a wonderful time with you and I'm so glad you could be here. But I do have one final question for you. Raquel Kane, what does love feel like? I think love feels like when you wake up in bed and you have nothing to do. So you can go back to sleep and you just feel like really safe and you're there. And I think that that's like always the feeling that I have felt sometimes immediately with people. Mm -hmm. Like, and you just kind of know, like I'm about to be with this person because I feel like I can go back, I can go back to bed. 
So yeah. Oh, that's so that's like, what love feels like. That's so sweet. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Oh. And that's also why I love this podcast, is I feel like I hear a million different responses, but I'm just like, yes, 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 I understand. Uh-huh, cool, yes, amazing. Uh, I love that. It's just, like, so comfortable, and it's just, oh, I love Because I know, I know that feeling of, of waking up and being like, I can just go back to bed, and everything's fine and safe, and, oh, yay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's such a long time coming. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I had a wonderful, lovely time with you. Follow me on Instagram at lovedrunkpod, on Twitter at lovedrunkpod. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Rose, on Twitter at Rose. Raquel, would you like to plug any of your things? Yes, follow me on Instagram at Ms. M.S. Raquel Kane, R-A-Q-U-E-L-C-A-I-N. Hell yeah. And then also, uh, we are going on tour with the Apollo 11 show, at Apollo 11 show on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, It's going to be a giant spectacle of a show uh, with a 40,000 square foot dome, which projections will be shown on in a (gasps) 1600 seat theater. I love Um, that! Yay! We start in the Rose Bowl, then we're going to the OC, and Mm -hmm. then Houston, and uh, you can follow me at Miss Rick Ms. Raquel Kane Mm -hmm. uh, for updates on that. All your comings and goings and all the cities coming to a city near you. Follow it. Apollo 11 show coming to a city near you. Follow it, follow it, follow it. We love it. Also at Pat Sings if you want to hear her amazing music. I will also like post her stuff as well. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yay! Yay! We did it! Yay! We're so happy it happened! (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess all I have left to say is be loved and stay drunk, my friends. We love you. Good night.